Volume Two, Chapter Thirteen of A Charming Fellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Charming Fellow by Francis Eleanor Trollope. Volume Two, Chapter Thirteen. The accounts which had reached Whitford from Wales of the wonderful effects produced by David Powell's preaching there sufficed to cause a good deal of excitement among the lower classes in the little town when it was reported that Powell would revisit it and would preach on Whit Meadow and also in the little room used by the ranters in Lady Lane the wesleyan methodists in whitford now felt themselves at liberty to allow their smouldering animosity against powell to break forth openly for he had seceded from the society some said he had been expelled from it but this was not true although there was little doubt that at the next conference his conduct and doctrine would have been severely reprehended and probably he would have been required publicly to recant them on pain of expulsion should this be the case those who knew david powell had little difficulty in prophesying the issue however all speculations as to his probable behaviour under the reproof of conference were rendered vain by the preacher's voluntarily withdrawing himself from the bonds of the society as he phrased it then broke forth the hostile sentiments of the whitford wesleyans against this rash and innovating preacher unfavourable opinions of him which had been concealed or only dimly expressed were now declared openly he was an antimonian he had fallen away from the doctrines of assurance and christian perfection he had brought scandal on large bodies of sober serious persons by encouraging wild and extravagant manifestations among his hearers his exhortations were calculated to do harm inasmuch as he preached a doctrine of asceticism and self-renunciation which if followed would have the most inconvenient consequences that some of these accusations as for example that of antimonianism and that of too extreme self-mortification were somewhat incompatible with each other was no impediment to their being heaped simultaneously on david powell the strongest disapprobation of his sayings and doings was expressed by that select body of citizens who attended at the little wesleyan chapel and yet there was perhaps less bitterness in this open opposition to him than had been felt towards him during the last days of his ministration in whitford so long as david powell was their preacher approved or at least not disapproved by conference a struggle went on in some minds to reconcile his teaching with their practice which was an irritating and unsatisfactory state of things since the struggle in most cases was not so much to modify their practice in order to bring it into harmony with his precepts as ingeniously to interpret his precepts so that they should not too fragrantly accuse their practice but now that it was competent to the staunchest methodists to reject powell's authority altogether these unprofitable efforts ceased and with them a good deal of resentment the chorus of openly expressed hostility to the preacher which i have said made itself heard in whitford arose in a great measure from the common delight in declaring where some circumstances unforeseen by the world in general comes to pass that we perceived all along how matters would go and knew our neighbour to be a very different fellow from what you took him to be here old max was triumphant and it must be owned with more reason than many of his acquaintances he had openly quarrelled with this fanatical welshman long before the main body of whitford wesleyans had ventured to repudiate him one humble friend was faithful to the preacher the widow thimbleby maintained in the teeth of all opposition that though mr powell might be a little mistaken here and there on points of doctrine she was an ignorant woman and couldn't judge of these things yet his practice came very near perfection and that the only human being to whom he ever showed severity intolerance and lack of love was himself mrs thimbleby was not strong in controversy it was not difficult to push her to her last resort namely crying silently behind her apron but there was some tough fibre of loyalty in the meek creature which made it impossible for her to belie her conscience by deserting david powell the cold attic at the top of her little house was prepared for his reception 
as soon as it was known that he was about to revisit whitford and mrs thimbleby went to the loft over the corn dealer's storehouse in lady lane one sunday evening to beg that nick green would let mr powell know whenever he should arrive that his old quarters were waiting for him and that she would take it as a personal unkindness if he did not consent to occupy them she could not help talking of the preacher to her grand lodger mrs errington of whom she was considerably in awe the poor woman's heart was full at the thought of seeing him again and not even mrs errington's lofty severity regarding all dissenters and ignorant persons who flew in the face of providence and attempted to teach their betters could entirely stifle her expressions of anxiety as to mr powell's health her hopes that he took a little more care of himself than he formerly did and her anecdotes of his angelic charity and goodness towards the poor and needy and suffering i should advise you on no account to go and hear this man preach said mrs errington to her landlady terrible scenes have taken place in wales and very likely something of the kind may happen here you are very weak my poor soul you have no force of character you would be sure to catch any excitement that was going and how should you like pray to be brought home from lady lane on a stretcher but even this alarming suggestion did not deter mrs thimbleby from haunting the ranter's meeting-room and leaving message after message with nick green to be sure and tell mr powell to come up to her house the very minute he arrived nick green knew no more than the widow the day and hour of the preacher's arrival all he could say was that powell had applied to him and to his co-religionists for leave to preach in the room little more than a loft which they rented of the corn-dealer in lady lane powell had been refused permission to speak in the wesleyan chapel to which his eloquence had formerly attracted such crowds of listeners whitmeadow would indeed be probably open to him but the year was drawing on apace autumn would soon give place to winter and at all events in the evening it would be vain to hope for a large number of listeners in the open air open air exclaimed mrs thimbleby raising her hands and eyes why mr green he ought never to think of preaching in the open air at this season and him so delicate nay sister thimbleby responded nick green a powerful black-muzzled fellow with a pair of lungs like a blacksmith's bellows we may not put our hands to the plough and turn back we are all of us called upon to give ourselves body and soul in the lord's service and many's the night after my day's work was over that i have exhorted here in this very room and poured out the word for two and three hours at a stretch until the sweat ran down my face like water and the brethren were fairly worn out but yet i have been marvellously strengthened i doubt not that brother powell will be so too especially now that he has given up dead words and the errors of the society and thrown off the yoke of the law dear i hope so answered mrs thimbleby tremulously but i do wish he would try a hot posset of a night just before going to bed the good woman was beginning to walk away up lady lane somewhat disconsolately for she reflected that if nick green measured mr powell's strength by his own he would surely not spare it and that the preacher need rather a curb than a spur to his self-forgetting exertions when she almost ran against a man who was coming in the opposite direction they were not twenty paces from the door of the corn-dealer's storehouse and a lamp that burnt above it shed sufficient light for her to recognize the face of the very person who was in her thoughts mr powell she exclaimed in a joyful tone thanks be to the lord that i have met you was you going to look for mr green he is just putting the lights out and coming away i left a message with him for you sir but now i can give it you myself you will come up with me to my house now won't you everything is ready and has been these three days you wouldn't think of going anywhere else in whitford but to my house would you mr powell she ran on thus eagerly because she saw or fancied she saw symptoms of opposition to her plan in powell's face he hesitated my good friend said he your christian kindness is very precious to me but i am not clear that i should do right in becoming an inmate of your house 
oh but i am mr powell quite clear why it would be a real unkindness to refuse me it is not a matter to be settled thus lightly answered powell although at the same time he turned and walked a few paces by the widow's side i had thought that i might sleep for to-night at least in our friend's meeting-room what in the loft there lord have mercy mr powell tis cold and draughty and there's nothing in it but a few wooden benches and the rats run about as bold as can be directly the light is put out why it would be a tempting of providence mr powell i am not dainty about my accommodation as you know and i could sleep there without payment without payment why you might pay pretty dear for it in health if not in money and for that matter i shouldn't think of asking a penny of rent for my attic as long as ever you choose to stay in it then with an instinctive knowledge of the sort of plea that might be likely to prevail with him she added as for being dainty about your accommodation why i know you never were so and i hope you haven't altered for indeed the attic is sadly uncomfortable i know there's worse draughts from the windows than ever and it would be a benefit to me to get the room aired and occupied for only last week i had a most respectable young man a journeyman painter to look at it and he says mrs thimbleby we shan't disagree about the rent he say but i do wish the room had been slept in laterally for i've a fear as it's damp he say and that that's the reason you don't use it yourself nor haven't let it but i tell him the only reason why i didn't use the room was as you might be expected back any day and i couldn't let you find your place taken and he say if he could be satisfied of that he might take it after the next month when you would likely be gone again so you see as you would be doing me a service mr powell not to say a pleasure whether david powell implicitly believed the good creature's argument to be derived from fact may be doubtful but he suffered himself to be persuaded to accompany her to his old lodgings and they begged nick green who presently overtook them to send one of his lads to the coach-office to bring to mrs thimbleby's the small battered valise which contained all powell's luggage i would have gone to fetch it myself said the preacher apologetically but in truth i am so exceedingly weary that i doubt whether my strength would avail to carry even that slender burden the distance from the coach-office to your house when he was seated beside mrs thimbleby's clean kitchen hearth on which burned a fire of unwontedly generous proportions the widow declared that as she grew older she found it necessary to her health to have a glow of warmth in her kitchen these chilly autumn nights when the preacher was thus seated i say and when the red and yellow firelight illuminated his face fully it was very evident that he was indeed exceeding weary weary and worn and wan with hollow temples eyes that blazed feverishly and a hue of startling pallor overspreading his whole countenance for a few minutes whilst his good hostess moved about hither and thither in the little kitchen preparing some tea and slicing some bacon to be presently fried for his refection powell sat looking straight before him with a curious expression in his widely opened eyes something like that of a sleepwalker they were evidently seeing nothing of the physical realities around them and yet they unmistakably expressed the attentive recognition by the mind of some image painted on their wondrous spheres the true round mirror of the wizard is that magic ball of sight for on its sensitive surface live and move a thousand airy phantoms besides the reflection of all that people this tangible earth we dwell on powell's lips began to move rapidly although no sound came from them he seemed to be addressing a creature visible to him alone on which his straining gaze was fixed but suddenly his face changed and was troubled as a still pool is troubled by a ripple that breaks its clearly glazed reflection into fantastic fragments in another moment he passed his thin hand several times with a strong pressure over his brows shut and opened his eyes like a dreamer awakened drew his pocket bible from his breast and began to read with an air of resolute attention will you ask a blessing mr powell said the widow timidly he looked up a comfortable meal was spread on the white deal table before him 
mrs thimbleby sat opposite to him in her old chair with the patchwork cushions the fire shone the household cat purred drowsily the old clock clicked off the moments as they flowed past tick-tack tick-tack then there came a jar a burr of wheels and springs and the tinkle of silver-toned metal striking nine in a few moments the ancient belfry of st chad's began to send forth its mellow chimes far and wide they sounded over the town and the flat meadow country through the darkness powell sat still and silent listening to the bells until they had done chiming how well i know those voices he said i used to lie awake and listen to them here in the old attic when my soul was wrestling with a mighty temptation when my heart was smitten and withered like grass so that i forgot to eat my bread the sound of them is sweet to the fleshy ears of the body but to the ears of the spirit they can say marvellous things they have been the instruments to bring me many a message of counsel as they came singing and buzzing in my brain the widow thimbleby sat looking at the preacher as he spoke with an expression of puzzled admiration blended with anxiety oh for certain the lord has set a sign on you she exclaimed he would have us know that you are a chosen vessel and he has given you the gifts of the spirit in marvellous abundance but dear mr powell i doubt he does not mean you to neglect the fleshly tabernacle neither for as i say to myself he could have made us all soul and no body if such had been his blessed will we thank thee o father most merciful amen said powell bending over the table amen repeated mrs thimbleby and now pray do fall to and eat something for i'm sure you need it it is strange but though i have fasted since five o'clock this morning i feel no hunger mercy me fasting since five o'clock this morning why for sure that's the very reason you can't eat your stomach is too weak dear 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 but you must make an effort to swallow something sir drink a sup of tea powell complied with her entreaty although he expressed some misgivings as to the righteousness of his partaking so luxurious a beverage and then he ate a few mouthfuls of food but evidently without appetite but seeing his good friend's uneasiness on his behalf he said with the rare smile which so brightened his countenance do not be so concerned for me there is no need although i have not much replenished the carnal man to-day yet i have been abundantly refreshed and comforted i tarried in a small town on the borders of this county at midday and i found that my ministrations there in the spring season had borne fruit many who had been reclaimed from evil courses came about me and we gave thanks with much uplifting of the heart and although i had suffered somewhat from faintness before arriving at that place yet no sooner were those chosen persons got about me and i began to pray and praise than i felt stronger and more able for exertion than i have many a time felt after a long night's rest and an abundant meal poor mrs thimbleby's mind was divided and exercised as she herself would have said between her reverent faith in powell's being supported by the supernal powers and her rooted conviction regarding the virtues of a hot posset was it for her a poor ignorant woman presumptuously to supplement as it were the protection of providence and to insist on the saintly preacher's drinking her posset yet on the other hand arose her own powerful argument that the lord might have dispensed with our bodies altogether had it so pleased him and that therefore mankind being provided with those appendages it was but reasonable to conclude that they were meant to be taken some care of at length the widow's mental debatings resulted in a resolution to make the hot posset and to carry it up to the preacher's bedside without consulting him on the subject for she said to herself if i persuade him to swallow it out of kindness to me there'll be no sin in the matter or at least if there is it will be my sin and not his and that is not of so much consequence in this spirit of true feminine devotion she acted and having coaxed powell to swallow the cordial mixture as a mother might coax a sick child she had the satisfaction of seeing him fall into a deep slumber 
he being in truth exhausted by fatigue excitement and lack of nourishment end of chapter thirteen